Well, this Thursday, we will experience yet another Christmas day. Personally, it will be my 42nd Christmas and my 26th as a follower of Christ. Some of you have experienced more Christmases than me, some less, depending, of course, on your birth date and the date of your new birth in Christ. My goodness, Jonathan, it is so good to see you. It is so good to see you. Good to do that. Welcome. We've been praying for you. It is so good to see you. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Felicity. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. We need one for you too. It is so good to see you, yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Everyone else is going to have to wait till after the service, okay? That was a nice gift. What a wonderful gift. I love Christmas. Kate, I love you. There is a big hug reserved for you after the service, okay? I love Christmas. I always have. Even before I was a Christian. Even before I was a Christian. Even though I didn't grow up in church, Christmas was very special to me. I even knew the basic story of Christ's birth, the basic story, very, very basic. I saw many nativity scenes. My parents played all the classic Christmas songs and hymns. There's just something very special about Christmas that has always felt different than other parts of the year. But when I look back on those early years, I realize that we can be so close to Jesus, so familiar with the, with the story of his birth, and yet be so far from Jesus at the same time. Even as Christians, even as Christians, we can know some Christmas-related doctrine very well. We can know some Christology without it ever affecting our affections. Or, we can swing the opposite way. We can feel all sorts of wonderful emotions and we can become submersed in what's called the Christmas spirit without ever really savoring Christ. So this Advent, in our effort to savor the Christ of Christmas, we've been giving our attention to the four names of Jesus listed here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Really trying to consider how each of these four names really speak volumes about who Jesus is and what he has done 
and is doing and will do. Remember the context of this prophecy. Judah is under great despair. The Assyrian Empire was bearing down on them and the northern kingdom in alliance with Syria was posing a a serious threat as well. So God told Ahaz to tell, or, or God told Isaiah to tell King Ahaz not to worry because God himself will take care of them. But in fear and self-reliance, Ahaz turned from God and peace in Judah was lost. Even then, God was gracious and he brought hope to the people of Judah through this prophetic word in verses 1 through 7, a word that points to a new beginning where their darkness and despair would give way to light and life, a word that brings joy to all peoples, a a word that centers around the birth of a child whom God has given to us, a child whose name, notice, is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Our subject this morning is this fourth, fourth name, the Prince of peace, but I don't want to just consider the name. I want to consider the person who bears the name. My desire today, as we approach another Christmas day, is to draw close to Christ. So I want to consider Jesus by reflecting on three specific effects he has on our on our lives. Three things that 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 really bring us to the very heart of Christmas. Three truths intended to bring Christ home to your heart. Here they are. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, we can have peace with God, peace with others, and peace within. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, we can enjoy peace with God, peace with others, and peace within. Peace with God. Apart from Christ, our relationship to God is one of rebellion, meaning that in our heart of hearts, we choose our way over God's way, which is the essence of sin. And in our sins, we fall far short of God's goodness and glory far short of the good and glorious purposes for which God created man and woman in our sinful state. We are opposed to Him and our defiance separates us from Him. In other words, listen, in our fallenness, we are not on neutral ground. No, we are enemies of God at war with God and we cannot win this war. And so the peace being spoken of here addresses first that which is of the utmost importance, namely peace with God. It's the word shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew term used throughout the Old Testament that denotes uh, wholeness, health, well-being, prosperity, security, and salvation. It's more than the absence of conflict. It's, it also includes this sense of completion. And that it refers to the way that things ought to be. 
to the way they were intended by God. Because in our sinful fallen state, we are at war with God, and because we cannot win this war ourselves, we need someone to fight on our behalf. Someone who not only brings this this conflict between us and God to an end, but also brings us into complete, restored relationship with God. Someone who can overcome our sinful rebellion and bridge the gap caused by sin, and that someone is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. You cannot experience true shalom, health, wholeness, security, well-being, salvation, a prosperous relationship with God. You cannot experience true shalom apart from Christ. But amazingly, Though we have sinfully rebelled against God, God has graciously moved toward us, having sent His Son to save us and to sanctify us. Though our sins bring war with God, God has brought peace, and that the Prince of Peace has come and bore the punishment we deserve. Surely He has borne our griefs carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I've heard this called the audacity of grace. That God himself, in love and by grace, being rich in mercy, would move to save us in our rebellion to save us in Christ in our rebellious state. That's at the heart of the Christmas message. This child whose birth we celebrate is Jesus the Christ. He is the Messiah, the Savior. He is the Son of God, the divine peacemaker, the sinless sin-bearer who died for sins to bring us peace with God. For in Him... The fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, Christ's cradle points to Christ's cross in that Jesus came as a peace offering from God. Every follower of Christ in this room can praise God today and thank Him for grace and peace. Grace that overcame your sins and saves you from their power and penalty. And peace that assures you that you are no longer God's enemy but a dearly, his dearly loved child. 
But if you are not a follower of Christ, then you are not at peace with God. So the urgent application for you is simply to gladly and quickly surrender yourself to Christ. Cease in your rebellion against God. Stop fighting this war to instead embrace the Prince of Peace in whom, in whom you will find true shalom. And because shalom implies a return to the things or a return to the way things are supposed to be, peace with God also brings peace with others. That is to say that our relationship with God has wonderful effects on our relationship with other people. Through faith in Christ, we are reconciled to God, and according to Scripture, all who are reconciled to God are likewise reconciled to each other. For example, in writing to the church in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul states that all believers are now one in the body of Christ. He says, for he himself, speaking of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us one and has broken down in his flesh the wall of hostility. The Jews and Gentiles of the day had long been at odds, so Paul was stressing to them the peace they now shared as believers in Christ. Now, we don't always practice this peace. That's true. We still sometimes squabble and we quarrel our Sin still rears its head on occasion as we selfishly seek our own interests. We find fault with each other, even in the church. We withdraw from each other. We build walls. Sadly, we bring division to what God has united. But even then, even then, our failure to live in the reality of reconciliation does not change the reality itself. So be assured, all who are united to Christ are marvelously united to one another through Christ. The Prince of Peace brings peace among believers. He brings peace to the church, and he brings peace on earth as well. It's hard to imagine peace on earth, isn't it? Every single day, every single day, we hear more reports of hatred and hostility. From a hostage standoff in Sydney to an Al-Qaeda school bus bombing in Yemen, from a school shooting in Pakistan to cyber terrorist threats from North Korea, from Ferguson riots in Missouri to the senseless killing of two police officers in Brooklyn. This is just a small sample from recent news, even just from yesterday. Ours is a world of discord. As humanity, sinful humanity, having rebelled against God, wars with one another. It is hard to imagine a world at peace 
Honestly, it's near impossible. But that's what God promises. Look with me at verse 7. Isaiah 9-7 assures us that this child, who is the Prince of Peace, will bring peace on earth. It says of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Amen. Verse 6 then speaks of Christ's first advent while, while verse 7 looks to his second Christ came, He was born, He lived, He died, He resurrected from the dead, and He returned to heaven, and He reigns even today, even amidst all our unrest. He is, please hear this, He is exercising great patience with us, divine forbearance, so that we will repent from our sins and return to Him, our Savior. And one day, He will return from earth to heaven, His second advent. He will return, and when He does, His rule of peace, marked with justice and righteousness, will increase forevermore. That means it will always be on the upswing. It will become more and more peaceful all the time. I don't understand that other than I believe it. In fact, just two chapters later, you don't have to turn there, you might mark it, in Isaiah 11, we get a description of this soon coming peace on earth. In verses 6 through 9 of that chapter, it says that even beasts that at present live at odds, even beasts will upon Christ's return live at peace. It says the wolf shall dwell with a lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. It says the cow and the bear shall graze. And their young shall lie down together. It says, the lion shall eat straw like an ox. In other words, he won't eat the flesh of other beasts. It says, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. Some of you know I I have a fear of snakes. And the cobra is one of the most deadly. And yet, even the nursing child and the cobra shall play together. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder, on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Why? Why? For the earth shall be full 
of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Shalom. A return to the way it's supposed to be. Where we enjoy peace with God and peace on earth with others. And even though some aspects of this aren't yet fully realized, the return of Christ and the peace he brings is guaranteed. It's a done deal. It is our sure hope. In the meantime, our role, our role is to participate in peacemaking. Did you hear that? Our role is to participate in peacemaking. In 2 Corinthians 5, we're told that God, having reconciled us to Himself, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It says that God is making His appeal to the world, to other people, through us. We're told that we are ambassadors of Christ, commissioned to represent the interests of the Prince of Peace in this world. We are, listen, we are to build bridges with others, not burn them. Please hear that. We are to build bridges, not burn them. We are to seek peace with all people to the furthest extent that it depends on you. To the furthest extent that it depends on you. So, how might you do this this week? In what way can you be a bridge builder this week? More specifically, who in your life right now can you serve by being a peacemaker? Who in your life right now is Christ calling you to serve as a minister of reconciliation? I know who it is for me. Someone very close and yet at the same time very distant. Someone who even as I've been working my way through this text and thinking about peace and the Prince of Peace even this week, someone who God has put on my mind over and over and over again and listen, I know that God is calling me to take another step. Not to wait for them. And I know, or at least I anticipate, that it won't be easy. And it may not be well received. You can pray for me. Even today, I hope to reach out to this person, even this afternoon. 
because we have I almost said the obligation but but I don't think I want to say the obligation I think we have an opportunity to be to walk in obedience to the Prince of Peace and I don't want us to miss the opportunity To follow Christ is to experience peace with God, peace with others, and thirdly, peace within. Those who know Jesus can live each day, each day in the peace of God and walk with the God of peace. Why is it that Christmas, that time of year when we celebrate the Prince of Peace, is often the busiest, most exhausting most stress-filled season of them all. Shopping to do, gifts to purchase and wrap, gatherings with friends and family to coordinate, meals to plan and prepare, decorations to place on the house and inside the house, pictures to take, cards to send, etc., etc. It's all very good. And it can all be very much a pressure cooker. And then on top of all this, there is, maybe you can relate with this, on top of all this, there is this underlying guilt for not doing enough. We're so busy doing so many things, and yet there's this guilt that seems to just linger about what we're not doing. I see some heads nodding. I want to do more. I want to do more as a pastor during Christmas. I want to get more. I want to get with people more. I want to do more visitation. I want to do more service, more community service. I want to offer more services. I want, to, I want more ministry that shepherds more people toward Christ and reinforces the Christmas message. I want to do more as a parent. More holiday outings with my kids, more time together as a family, more times of family worship. Every year I have every intention of leading my family through the Advent season in, in family times of adoration of Christ. I purchased, true confessions, I purchased an Advent calendar three or four or five years ago that comes with a coordinating devotional and includes some wonderful devotional activities to do as a family. It's still in its original packaging. Never opened. Because every year, Time escapes me. And before I know it, Christmas is over. So every year when I'm putting all the Christmas stuff away, that unopened Advent calendar mocks me. (laughs) 
tries to rob me of my peace. Tries to render me guilty. It's about ready to get thrown away. so close to the Prince of Peace and yet we fail to be at peace. Here we are, four days away from Christmas Day, possibly the most most exciting day of the year, and yet I wonder how many of you have wrestled with great anxiety even this holiday season. And then when you think about all that's going on and all that needs to be done between now and Thursday, how many of you just find yourself becoming uptight? Short with people. It may not even be to-dos. It may not not be to-dos. It may be just stuff. Family stuff. Personal stuff. Stuff at school. Work stuff. Church stuff. Just stuff. But the bottom line is this. If Christ is the Prince of Peace, why are we so stressed? Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the way to peace when anxiety comes your way is to take those cares and cast them upon God. Maybe what's needed today, this week, for you is to be intentional to enjoy some unhurried time with the Lord. Two key words, the word intentional, because it will not happen by it on its own. And then the word unhurried, because we have to learn the discipline of being still in His presence. And in doing so, not only do we experience the peace of God, but Philippians 4 goes on to say that we can also enjoy the God of peace. So verse 7 of that chapter promises peace of God, the peace of God, while verse 9 promises the God of peace. It says, the God of peace will be with you. That brings us full circle, doesn't it? Right back to the heart of Christmas. In fact, When Matthew was recording his account of the birth of Christ, he wrote 
in Matthew chapter 1, he said, All this, speaking of Jesus, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Listen, God desires to be with you. Not just coming along for the ride. He desires to be with you. How? How can God be with us? He is eternal. We are created. He is infinite. We are finite. He is perfect and sinless. We aren't. So how can God be with us when the barriers between us and Him are so pronounced? And God's answers to these questions are found in this child mentioned in Isaiah 9-6 who was born unto us. God's answer to our dilemma is found in this son who was given in love. God's answer is to our need is found in His Son in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The way by which you experience God with us is through Jesus Christ who enters your plight and hears your plea. The way to peace. The way to peace is to call out to the Prince of Peace. The aim here, you see, is not simply to, to, to have peace, but to know Him who is peace. Ultimately, shalom is not the result of any human endeavor. It's a gift and blessing from God. Listen, where even the assurance of future hope becomes a present reality through Christ... You know, when Paul begins many of his letters with, with the statement, grace and peace, he's not just well-wishing. He's not just saying, I wish you well. He's saying, no, live in the grace and peace of God. So look to Jesus. As wonderful counselor, he knows what's best. As mighty God, He can always do what's best. As everlasting Father, He will love and care for you, for His spiritual sons and daughters forever. And as Prince of Peace, He brings us into a state of peace with God, with others, and even within. Celebrate His birth. Yeah, this week, celebrate his birth, his first advent, and all that he has done. And let us also seek his second advent. And remember that when he returns, when the Prince of Peace returns, true shalom will be fully restored forever.
Amen. So maybe in closing, we just need to pause for a a couple of moments and allow you time to, to just right where you are, just as you are silently between you and God, to just take a moment to cast your cares upon him and call out to the Prince of Peace. this one who desires to be with you and to lead you, who loves you and will never forsake his own. Would you just talk to Jesus even now? Father, I thank you for this time we've shared. You've been very good to us. You are always so very good to us. Thank you. Continue to impress the truth of your word upon our hearts. May we think through these truths often. Grant us the faith, Lord to repent from our sins where necessary and to return again to our Savior. Grant us the faith, Lord, to be peacemakers in this world of hostility, to participate, to actively participate in this ministry of reconciliation that you have entrusted to us. And grant us faith to live in the peace of God and to walk each day with the God of peace. Make it so for each person here through Jesus Christ. Amen.